You are listening to the Liminal Living Podcast. Welcome back to the Liminal Living Podcast. I'm your curator of conversation, Tom Rundell. Very excited to have you with us today. Thank you for including me in your day. Uh, Whether you're driving around or whether you're sitting on your back porch with some coffee, uh, thank you so much for letting this podcast be a part of your life. Uh, We are on our second part of our Theology of Time, where we're discussing the biblical concept of time and a theology of time. And uh, so we're diving right into our subject right away here. So in this series, we ask the question, what is time? Uh, Time is usually defined in the dictionary as the progress of existence and events. And it comes from the future into the present and on into the past. And so time can be measured with seconds and minutes and hours, days, years, and they all pass before us and then they disappear, never to be seen again. Where did it go? And where is it stored? So if you pinpoint the present moment as one second on the calendar, it looks like time rushes in, rushes on without a pause. You can't stop it. You can't reverse it. You can't seem to speed it up or slow it down. It just comes as it will. We have lots of sayings in our culture about time. We think that time is money. Time is important. And the Bible has a lot to say about time. And so we're exploring this concept to kind of construct a theology of time, just like a fish would construct a theology of the water that it swims within. So the Bible we talked about last week has two words for time. There's chronos time and kairos time. So chronos time is probably the one that we are most familiar with. This is the time that we measure in seconds, in minutes, in days, we get our word chronological from the Greek word chronos. So this is the time that we're most familiar with. We check into work, we punch in, we punch out, uh, we're paid by the hour. This is all chronos ways of measuring time. So chronos is a, a measurement of time. Last week we looked at the illustration of a metronome. Chronos is the metronome. Uh, if you're a musician and you've ever done any recording, they put a click in your ear that is a metronome to keep everyone in sync with the song that's being played. So time is actually very healthy and good for us because we are not infinite. We are finite people. We are not gods. We are very limited. And so we must live in a rhythm that sustains that limitation. Uh, We need patterns of sleep, rest, and recreation, as well as work, activity, and education. There's this famous passage in the Bible that there's a time for this and a time for that, right out of Ecclesiastes. And so we need to have these healthy rhythms in this chronos time. We need to have a healthy relationship with time, or it becomes an abuser or a tyrant. But time in itself is a gift from God to us because we couldn't exist outside of time because we're not infinite. So time is actually a gift from God. Genesis says, in the beginning, which is another way of saying in the origins, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. So out of eternity, this origin place, uh, God initiates an earthly rhythm to keep creation in sync with its eternal roots. 
So we can see this metronome all around us. The clock is ticking. The sun rises and sets. The seasons come and go. The days pass by. These are all the rhythms of God's creation that he set up in the beginning and the origins. So out of this uh, eternity, out of this origins, uh, comes everything that we see. And the rhythm of time keeps us in sync with our greater purpose, our greater roots. And so embracing a life of limitation, embracing a life of rhythm, is actually an act of worship because it is operating within how we were created. Sleeping can be an act of worship just for the mere sense that it declares, I surrender, I admit my mortality, and I submit to this mini-death knowing that I'll wake up in the morning. And we partake in that every single night. Relaxation can be an act of worship by his declaration, I'm not all-powerful, I need rest. So God actually initiates a Sabbath rest day before the fall of human beings. Because even in our innocence, before the curse of broken shalom, we see that we are limited beings reliant upon our unlimited God. Kronos, time, the seconds ticking away, is the metronome that we keep time with as we play the music God birthed us to play. Now the other word for time, kairos time, is harder to get our minds around. Uh, It's more abstract than a ticking of a clock. But I think we all know what it is. Kairos time is the eternal spring from which the present moment arrives. It's the place called the origins. It's eternity. It's the kingdom of God. And it feeds the present moment to us. So kairos is the essence of time. And it's the quality of the moment that you're in right now. And it's enriched with heaven. Now, sometimes those moments are more weightier than others. We can see the Kairos essence of certain times more clearly than others. The day you were married, the day you had your first child, were hired, graduated. All these turning points are um, clearly marked with Kairos time. And our life changes because of the weight of that moment. So eternity seems to touch our time. Eternity uh, meets us here. The Celtic Christians called these spaces thin spaces. The place where the veil that separates heaven and earth becomes almost translucent. And these, these moments of Kairos moments, we attempt to capture them. We know them when we see them. We pull out the camera. We make a scrapbook. Uh, we compile a story. We have a trophy uh, you know, on our, on our wall or shelf. We have a diploma. We have a souvenir. And we recall the essence of the moment and that moment's impact upon our life. So these Kairos moments are when we can clearly see the timetable of heaven intersecting with our Kronos time on earth, the chronological time. Now some times are weightier than others, as we talked about, but all times are coming from uh, that eternal place. And even every present moment is enriched with the presence of God. And so it is not like one moment is more holy than another. They're all just as holy as everyone else, uh, but some are just more clear to us. So when our life gets out of sync with the metronome, when our song becomes 
out of sync with that chronos metronome, we, then we get an unhealthy relationship to time. And then we start to say things like, I don't have enough time in the day. And that's, that's saying that there is a shortage of time or a tyranny of time. Time then becomes a burden, a bully, a tyrant, when it's supposed to be a gift from God reaching into our present day. Every day is a gift from God. Every moment is a gift from God. But when we become out of sync with that metronome, then time becomes this tyrant and a burden. Now, in some cases, it's easier to see when time has become that tyrant. Our relationship with time has become the tyrant. Uh, We can start living in the past, and the past can become this weight of shame and guilt and regret that shackles us from authenticity and intimate relationships. Or we might abuse ourselves or others through our own self-hatred and loathing. Or we could even cut off uh, ourselves from a healthy, life-giving community because we have this uh, poor relationship with the past. We're living as though the present is weighted down by our past failures. Time is a burden in that way. It's a bully, it's a tyrant when we allow it to do that instead of the gift that God made it to be. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the future can become this depressing, hopeless void, leaving us adrift in this purposeless futility. You know, we think there's no way I can totally lift myself out of this mess. You know, we we have this thing called Murphy's Law. If bad's going to happen, it will. Uh, So why even try? So we have this opposite end of the spectrum that the future is against us. The universe is fighting us. So we just kind of live in purposelessness or we live in this over-aggressive, anxious state trying to conquer. Many of the Psalms uh, written in our Bible wrestle with this type of worry. So that tells me that I'm going to wrestle with it too. But also, if we look at God's grace, God's grace overcomes the past shame and guilt. And God's hope has a secure hold on our future. So there is no need to fear. And then I can even take my life in full confidence and know that God wants to do something pretty awesome with it. So we can free ourselves from these shackles we've put on. uh, Shackled to the past or shackled to the future or both. Those are often really easy to see because they're just so prominent. But there's this more covert way that we can live shackled to an unhealthy relationship to time that is really hard to notice because it feels like the present. It doesn't feel like the future. It doesn't feel like the past. It feels very present because it feels so immediate. And this is the most covert oppression from an unhealthy relationship to time. It's the tyranny of the almost or just about. You're dreading that conversation that you have to have right after lunch. Or that you're anxious about driving in traffic. Uh, is the light about to turn yellow? And am I past that uh, no return point where you're not supposed to slow down so you don't get rear-ended? What cash register is going to be the quickest so that I can get out of here and get going because I have these things to do? Uh, is dinner, is it going to turn out okay? Is it going to... You know, there's almost here. The just about... It's like five minutes into the future, but it feels like the present because it's so immediate. But it's still a tyranny of time. That just about, almost here, it diverts our attention from the right now, and we end up living much of our life five minutes from now, in the future. 
and spend a lot of our day worrying about what might happen, what's about to happen. And the trickiest part is that we think it's the present, but in reality, we're off in some fantasy land. How many Kairos moments did I miss because my mind was occupied with the five minutes from now? Now, I'm not coming down on planning and wisdom and all that. I'm coming down on that anxiousness that steals our attention from what actually is. And it places it upon events that are not here yet. And it diverts our attention from reality. And therefore, we're missing the very presence of God. And we live in this constant state of anxiety and fear. One of my favorite authors, Evelyn Underhill, she's a Quaker theologian and mystic, and she says, God is always coming to you in the sacrament of the present moment. Meet and receive him there with gratitude in that sacrament. That present moment, the right now, is so full of God's presence and provision and grace. To break the shackles that our unhealthy relationship to time has created, we must choose to deepen our awareness of the right now. And when we do that, it kills anxiety instantly. If time seems like it's going too fast, put on a pot of water and watch it. Be bored for five minutes today. It's really good for you. Learn how to engage what actually is here now because that is what is real. Jesus said that worry can't add any hairs to our head. And actually science says that it can take them away. Jesus holds the future and the past and is eternally present with us. And our relationship to time needs to come back into that rhythm. I think an awesome example of this is seen in the biblical story of Moses, right, in Exodus 1, 2, and 3. Now Moses, I think he must have known that he was called by God to do something awesome because he rushes out ahead of God's timing and kills an Egyptian who was abusing one of his own. And then he runs off into the desert in fear for 40 years. Moses had to learn a new rhythm. Well, in Exodus 3, the burning bush takes place. And some think that this is not actually a miracle because all these awesome ten plagues, the Red Sea, the pillar of fire, this burning bush just looks like a cheap magic trick compared to this. Instead, this was a test. Now, the bush was on fire and was not being consumed. How long do you need to stare at something on fire until you know that it is not being consumed? If you've ever been to a bonfire, you know it takes some time to burn down. Bushes on fire in the desert should not really catch that much attention for a long period of time. But after 40 years in the desert, Moses has come to live in the present moment more fully. Moses notices this bush is not being consumed. He gets closer and closer and takes off his shoes at God's command. How long was that bush burning? Waiting for Moses to take notice. Five minutes? A year? The entire 40 years he was out there? We don't know. But Moses finally notices, and then he responds and hears God speak. There's this awesome poem by Elizabeth Browning. She said, Earth's crammed with heaven, in every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries.